Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. The title of my lesson, I call it a lesson because I'm a teacher, okay? Is how to respond to the anointing. There is a way. In Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulders, and his yoke from off thy neck. Whose yoke we're talking about? Talking about the enemy's yoke from off our neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. When it talks about the yoke being destroyed, it talks about because of the anointing, it means the fatness of your neck. I know most ladies don't want a fat neck. Men, they, they like a fat neck. It makes them. But what it's talking about is the presence of God gets on you to the degree that the yoke breaks. That the yoke cannot stay. And God, give me three words that we need to respond to the anointing. One is pursue. The second one is persistent. And the third one is persevere, or perseverance. Pursue means to follow in order to catch, to run after, to chase. That's what it means. Persistent, it's a little step above pursue. It's continuing firmly or stubbornly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Yep. In spite of opposition. It means relentless. It means you do not quit. No matter. Single-minded. In Isaiah 50, verse 7, says, I have set my face like a flint. There's two words here with three words right in the start of that. It says, I have set didn't say God has set my face like a flint. Sometimes we wait for God to make us do things. To make us, God, if you want me, do this. He says, I have set my face like a flint. I choose to do that. I choose to pursue. I choose to persevere in when opposition comes. Because it's coming. It's coming. 
And when it, it's already here, you are right. And it's coming. It's what we do in the face of it. We can choose to turn and put our eyes on Jesus and stay there. That's where getting that word that was talking about earlier comes in. If we don't have that word, we don't have anything to set our face like a flint to. I'll say that again. When we pray and we go and we seek in God over a problem, He will give us a word. We don't pray random prayers. We pray specific prayers. And any time you, when you pray a specific prayer and you're led by the Holy Spirit, He will give you a word over that situation. That is what you set your face like a flint on. That is what your focus is on. It does not matter what the enemy does from that point on. Because the situation most of the time does not change instantly. I taught on Facebook Live here the other day. God's called me to teach. He called me to teach on finances. My checkbook is empty. I'm in the red. Got shut off notices. But his word says, Malachi 3, tithe, and he'll open the windows of heaven. Luke 6, 38, the one we just read says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. I had to choose to set my face like a flint and say, God, this is what your word says. I do not care if this ever lines up with it. Your word is still the truth. The fact is, my checkbook needed some money it was in pain it was suffering but your word says I had to get a breakthrough over that brother Ernie helped in that it was years ago I had to know that Jehovah Jireh was my provider a stronghold had to be broke. But I'd been teaching and teaching and teaching for years. And finally, one Wednesday night, I remember it plain as day. I'd been helping Pastor Aline pray and catch people. I was her catcher. I've done my job through the whole service. But I was in misery. Because my checkbook was broke. I finally I walked up to the edge of the platform and told her, says, I've got to know my God is more than enough. That's where I had to get to. I got to that place. And she began to pray for me and call some others up. And I remember Brother Ernie coming. 
praying for me, and it didn't take just a few minutes, five minutes maybe. I got a breakthrough, and it did not matter if my checkbook ever lined up. Uh, yeah, I want it to, and it has, but it didn't matter because I knew that my God is more than enough. <clears throat> That, the anointing was there for that. I pursued it. I was persistent in it. I mean, I didn't have, what other choice do you have? I persevered, just kept pressing, just kept pressing, kept pressing. Let's look at Mark 5. Mark chapter 5. I just want to thank Apostle Angie for giving me the opportunity to even stand up here. Mark chapter 5. This is, this is talking about the woman with the issue of blood. Tells us that the woman had an issue of blood. And then in verse, that the doctors couldn't heal. She had done spent all of her money. Her checkbook was broke too. I mean, she had done spent it all trying to get well. And back in those days, when you had a sickness like that, you were not in, allowed inside the city limits. You were an outcast. But it says that the people thronged around Jesus. You ever, that doesn't mean that they were just a few people. They were close. They were pushing. They were bumping him. They were right together. He probably couldn't hardly walk. But the anointing was on him. And she knew it. She got out of her comfort zone because her comfort zone was outside the city. Inside the city, she took a chance on being probably stoned. You know, that's what she was looking at. If somebody had recognized her, they could have probably stoned her on the spot. But yet she pressed in. And I don't think she stood upright and walked in because it says she touched the hem of his garment. You know, probably down there about where my bottom of my pants leg are, yes. She had to press in. She had to push through. She's, I just figured she was on her hands and knees, and she crawled and worked her way through until she could touch the anointing. She persevered, and she pressed in. And when she touched the anointing, her whole life changed. It was worth the press to her. That's what we have to consider. Is it worth the press? Is it worth persevering for? Is it worth pressing? Is it worth pursuing? If it's worth it, we'll do it. I've told this example before, but I'm going to tell it again. I like it. When I met my wife, 
to be. I prayed. I didn't really know anything about getting the word, but I knew that in the Bible there was a story where a man laid the fleece out before God to get an answer. I knew that. That's what I knew. I laid the fleece out before God because I wanted to marry the woman he's had, had for me. That's the one I wanted. I didn't want lots of pretty women out there. I don't care how pretty they are. If they're not the one God has for you, you're in, you in trouble. And it goes the same way with men. There are lots, lots of good-looking men out there. But if it ain't the right one, you're in trouble. So I sought God. And he said, yes, he showed me. I laid the fleece out, and he answered it. Well, my mother-in-law, which Joella, and my daddy-in-law, well, it's not bad. They didn't, they didn't know me. I wasn't a real pretty character to drive up and pick up your daughter. I was real slender. I wore jeans and an old T-shirt when I went to pick her up the first time. I had a fro. <laughs> but to top that off, I had a cap on, which you know what that does to a fro. Okay. If you saw me come up to your door to get your daughter, you probably would not want to open the door. But they did. But God gave me a word that she was the one. They weren't so sure, which, no, I understand. (laughs) He didn't speak to them. He spoke to me. She didn't want to go to college, but they said, well, just go try it. They're going to get her away from me for a little while, you know, to see if things, you know, to see if things lasted. You know, that makes sense. I, uh, I had an old, uh, well, an old, it was a new truck back then. It was a new, I had it fixed up with all the stuff that they had available back then. I had a nice truck. They sent her to Ruston. I don't know how far that is. What, a couple of hours or so? That's where, they, where she went to school at. They sent her to school. I sold my truck. Bought a car. I bought a car for one purpose, because I liked my truck, but I bought that car to travel. Sometimes you got to get rid of some stuff. Sometimes you got to ri- let some stuff go to pursue. <laughs> I sold that truck, bought me a Cutlass Supreme. Nice car. Because I was fixing to be on the road. I pursued. She went to college for three months. 
Didn't come home. We got married. <laughs> but uh, back then, you could figure your gas, your car mileage in your tax return. They would let you count how much you drove and give you credit. Buddy was doing my taxes that year for me. That's when he found out. In three months, I put a year's worth of mileage on my car. It's like God had done said. God had done said. And I wasn't giving up on that. God had said. So in three months, I put enough miles to cover a normal driving for a year on that car. I pursued. I persevered. Because God had said, that's the one, and that's the one I wanted. I was already working shift work. I worked at extrusion. When I would work nights, work from, what, 10 to 6 or 11 to 7, I can't remember what we worked back then. I would get off at 7 o'clock in the morning. Not every morning, but sometimes during that week because we worked seven in a row. I didn't go seven days without going to see her. I didn't. I would get off at 7 o'clock, go home, get a shower, sleep about two, three hours, get up, drive to Ruston. Got to come back and go to work that night. Go down there, spend a little time, go out and eat. Put my work boots in my car. Leave from down there just in time to drive up into the parking lot at work, get out, put my work boots on, and go in. I don't know how many times I've done that. I was persevering. I was persistent. I was pursuing. And got rewarded. We had a, back then when we didn't have the cell phones, we had the, you know, the landlines. <laughs> Amen. I had over a $300 phone bill. That was back in the 70s. 70s, early 80s. Well, it was in the 70s. You got married in 80. Had over a $300 phone bill. I was staying in contact. I was pursuing. I've got several stories here about pursuing. David. He went, to, he went to see his brothers, David and Goliath. We know the story. Sometimes we, we focus on the part where David killed Goliath with a stone, but you know David's brother, his oldest brother, tried to stop him. His oldest brother actually accused him of being arrogant and wicked. Saul 
Well, David didn't let that stop him. He went on to see Saul then, the king. The king tried to stop him. The king actually told him, says, uh, you're too young and you're not qualified. You are not qualified. That's one of the things the enemy would tell us, well, both of those. You're too young and you're not qualified. David told his testimony and went on anyway. Went on and killed Goliath. But it was not, you know, that battle was a major battle because the challenge Goliath had issued was to send one person to fight me. If he wins, we surrender. The whole nation will surrender. If I defeat your man, then all of y'all have to surrender. Just, two pe- just one person has to die in this battle. And the whole nation was to surrender. That was a big deal. David just kept on. He went, and we know what happened. And what about Jesus heals the blind man? He was, this is what people will do to you. They tried to stop David, tried to stop the blind man. They told him to be quiet. Jesus is coming by. Be quiet. Jesus is coming by. He might hear you. You don't want to interrupt the anointing. You don't want to get the attention of the one that might heal you. So just be quiet. Well... The blind man didn't take instructions very well. He just got louder and louder and louder until Jesus heard him. He was pursuing the anointing. He was persevering. He was pressing in. And I saw something on this. The pool of Bethesda. Y'all ever heard that story? is this pool where the angel would come down ever so often and trouble the water. And the first one in got healed of whatever their problem was. I just saw this when I began to look at it, because it says there was a man that had been there. Well, he had an infirmity for 38 years. It didn't say he had been there for 38 years, but I figure if you've got an infirmity that long, you've been there for a while. But the thing is, the anointing, they knew that the angel was coming to trouble the waters, but they did not know the exact time. They knew it was going to happen. Because I'm thinking if I was there and I knew the waters were fixing to be troubled tomorrow, I'd be laying in that pool tonight. I'd be asleep in there. So that tells me right there that they didn't know when it was going to happen. They just knew it was going to happen. So they just waited until it happened. But this man, Jesus asked him uh, what, what he could do for him. And this man said, while I am trying. Now, whether he'd been there for 38 years or not, I don't know. But he'd been there a long time. And he was still trying to get in that water. He had been trying for a long time. 
He had been persevering. He had been pursuing. And then the anointing walked in. It doesn't say that Jesus healed anybody else there at the pool. It says that he healed him. So I have a question. How would you respond to the anointing if you knew only one person was going to get touched when it showed up? (laughs) How would you respond if you knew, if we were sitting here waiting on the presence of God to come in, and when it come in, the first person to the altar was the one that got their needs met. Everybody else had to wait till next Sunday. How would you respond? It's kind of sobering. I just thank God that he, resp- that he touches now. It's not like the pool of Bethesda. Anybody that responds will get something from God. And I thank God for that. We have to respond to the anointing when it's here. I have a I've seen the anointing come in here and lift really quickly before. I've I've seen it. It's back when Apostle Angie was preaching. She was a pastor at that time. She was preaching one day, one Sunday, Sunday or Wednesday. She gave an altar call. I'm talking just like four or five people maybe came down. Other people sit in their seats for whatever reason, hesitated. She prayed for those folks that came down Quickly, just like that, the anointing was lifted. It was over. The service was over. It happens that way sometimes. But when it comes to persevering and pursuing... The reason I'm teaching on this is because I know what we had to do when we were being brought up in this. This ministry was just beginning to get started a little bit. And my wife and I were not really coming that much. But there was a revival in Florida, in Brownsville, Pensacola. Seven-hour drive. I would take a vacation to go to the revival. Drive seven hours. There's sometimes you would wait in line all day long to get in the service. You get in there after you've done spent money on hotel rooms and you've done drove for seven hours. You've taken a week of vacation. You're going to get something. 
you are going to. Minister Timmy has went. I think Elder Babs has been. We would see the minute they would start going through the crowds, it was a big church. They had aisles that crisscrossed back and forth. They would start ministering to the people because there were so many just walking down through there, laying hands on, on people. You would see them coming your direction, your way. You'd step out in the aisle. And here they come. Come here, Minister Timmy. Minister Steve Hill. <laughs> but we would be, sometimes we would be this close. He's got his hand stuck out like this on both sides, just touching people. And he's, he's this close. I'm looking at him. And I close my eyes. And I, nothing happens. I open my eyes. He has turned and went another direction. You can see that. It's happened numerous times. So I had a choice. We had a choice. Which, it's an excuse. We can say, well, I guess it's not God's will. It wasn't God's will for this mighty man of God to lay his hands on me and go sit down in my pew. You think that's what we did? No. This is what we did. Because I'm talking about crowd. I'm talking about crowd that, like they talk about with Jesus. You can't see for the people. This is what I would do. There he is. He's over there and he's headed that direction. And here we would go. With all together. Pushing. We weren't rude. But if anybody hesitated and left a gap, it was. You were in there. And we just kept doing, we work our way, just push, ease, just slip through, back and forth, just keep going, 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 until here he comes again. I've had it happen more than once in the same day. Here he comes again, get right there at you, fixing to lay hands on you, you close your eyes, you lift your hands up. Where did he go this time? I'm talking about face to face with them, like right here. So what do you think happened then? I find a vacant spot in the pew and climb back up in it and look. And just, <laughs> amen, she said like Zacchaeus. He climbed up in that tree. He had to have a look. He wanted to see where this anointing was. We'd get up there and we would look and say, there it is. It's over there. It's going that way now. And we would take off again, and we would do that until we got the man of God to lay hands on us. He wasn't avoiding us on purpose. I think what was happening looking back was we were being taught perseverance. We were being taught to pursue. We were being taught to go after, to go after it. Because we had to. Done drove for seven hours. I'm not coming home without something. 
Then, we, then somebody, I don't know who it was, figured out they always exited down one hallway, down the side of the church in one direction every time. Somebody figured that out. When the anointing began, to, when the service began to kind of wind down, we made a beeline for that hallway. After we'd done chased them down, we'd make a beeline for that hallway. And we'd line that wall because everybody on the wall got prayed for because it was just wide enough they could walk by and just, just drag their hands across you. So you got prayed for there. But we have to learn to pursue. We have to learn to persevere and be persistent in the things of God in whatever area that we're dealing with. Some of you may be wondering why Dana's up here on the platform. She may be wondering. Because I saw this last Sunday. I saw it with you, and I saw it with Jarek. Pastor Casey was praying for people. Apostle Angie prayed for people. Every time I turned around, there's Jarek. I'm, I'm work, working with both of them. I know he got prayed for at least three times. question is, how many times did, do I even want to go there? Did some of y'all get prayed for? Well, he positioned himself where the anointing was. Yeah, he was covering some people too, but he was there. And because he was there, he got prayed for at least three. I don't know if it was more than that, but that's how many I saw. This young lady, I counted five. <laughs> she got prayed for five different times, and I don't know if that was all. That's what I saw. She was persistent. She was the same way. Every time I turned around, there she is. She, was, she positioned herself to where the anointing was was at and because she did she got prayed for at least five times and the anointing breaks the yoke we don't even have to know sometimes what it does but when you get prayed for something breaks you'll wake up one day and look back and say I don't have that problem anymore some things we have to deal with and have strongholds broke, but sometimes things just fall off. We just wake up and realize, I don't respond the same way anymore. Amen? And not only that, <clears throat> there are words that come forth in the anointing. She got a word. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's a good one. <laughs> That's up to her. But she, they continually positioned themselves in the anointing. 
continually. There wasn't somebody saying, come on, come on, come up here, come on, come on. They were always there. And I, it caught my attention. It, apparently it caught God's attention. I mean, she got prayed for five times in one service. I haven't been prayed for five times in one service. She pursued. Jarek pursued. They were persistent. When other people were ready to sit down and rest, they were still here. We have to pursue the anointing. We have to be persistent in it. I'll tell you something that I used to do when Pastor Aline was the pastor and she would preach. When she would get through preaching, service, and praying for people, she would go right over there and sit down. There were lots of people that would come by and shake her hand, talk to her, tell her what a good service it was, what a good word it was. I would just wait. Why I knew to do that, I have no idea. I would wait. I would sit right over there somewhere and wait. When they got through, I would go over there. And when I would go over there, she'd say, sit down. I would sit down beside her. Didn't tell her anything, didn't say a thing, didn't ask her anything. She just began to teach all over again what she had just taught. I positioned myself in the anointing and just let her teach. I remember one service in particular. My wife must have been out of town because I was here by myself that service. And uh, I was late. We were going to go eat. Going to go eat with some people. They asked me to go eat. I was late. They were already done. <laughs> but I had been sitting in the presence. Sometimes you just got to stay. Sometimes you got to pursue. We always have to pursue. And we have to be persistent. And we have to persevere. There are strategies that come forth in the anointing. There are words of knowledge that come forth in the anointing. We can't take it for granted. We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at freedomministriescrossit.com.